How many of you are a part of our connect groups at Faith Coach Church? Anybody here? Okay. Usually about, I say about 25 to 40% of the church is involved in connect groups. Let me tell you something. I highly recommend that you get involved in a connect group. Not because we want to fill up connect groups. It's not about that. It's simply because that God has called us to be in relationship with other believers. The thing is, is we are not created to do life alone. And there are things that you will go through in life that it's good to have people around. And it's good to be connected to people. How many of you know there's your, there's your family, your extended family, that, that's your blood relatives, but also, but also God places you in a church to give you a, a spiritual family. Are you with me? And I want to tell you something. I've been a part of Connect Group since we, we, I think we've been doing this like 12 years now. And God has put some people around me, Christian brothers and sisters, that I have walked through some things with them, that, that it's, it's been a, a priceless experience. So I strongly recommend that you get involved in, in a connect group. Now, last year, we started doing this differently. Once upon a time, what we would do is you fill out a card, and we get you connected in a group. And we decided that we were just going to kind of take our hands off that and going to open that up, and we call it a free market, whereas uh, we're going to make it where you can start your own groups or you can find out groups that you want to be a part of rather than us putting you in a group and, and maybe, uh, you know, we talked to people that were involved in groups for two years that didn't even like the people. <laughs> so I'm kidding, of course, or am I? But um, the thing is, is, is we're going to kind of take our hands off this and let this happen organically, if you will. We're going to provide the process. But another thing is, is there are people here that have the potential to start your own connect group. Now, I'm, I start a couple of connect groups every single year. I have a, a connect group where I have a I'm involved in other people's lives, and we're like families, and we're like brothers and sisters. But last summer, I started my own connect group that we just rode motorcycles. We showed up on Wednesday night, and the, the whole point was to ride motorcycles with people that you, know, that, that you are doing life with. See, the point of connect groups isn't to do a Bible study, a prayer meeting, and go through a lesson. That's not the point of it. Now, there might be some elements there of that. It depends on what kind of group you have, but that's not the point. The point of connect groups is relationship. Everybody say relationship. That's what I want you to think of when you think of connect groups, that, that God has called me to do life with other people. So in, in my group where we showed up and, and rode motorcycles, we walked into the foyer, checked on everybody. Is there anything that we can pray about before we leave? And then we got on our bikes and went to the restaurant of our choice. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I like doing certain things. I like going to eat nice and I like dinner. I'm going to start a dinner group or you know, the thing is, is you're connected to other people within the body of Christ, and you're doing life with other people outside of church. As the church has grown larger, it's harder to stay connected with other people. You know what I'm talking about. There's, there's, there's people that you could be connected with in the first service that, man, if, 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 if you could be connected to them, it could be a life-changing moment or a destiny or a divine destiny moment that, that God has brought you together for an incredible moment in life. But you got to get connected. So I want to strongly recommend that you don't do solo, that, you don't, that you're not riding solo, okay? God hadn't called us to be Lone Rangers. Well, actually, even the Lone Ranger had Tano, didn't he? So God, God has called us to do life together, right? God has called us to do life together. So I want you to make an effort. Reach out. Get involved in a connect group. Hey, lead a connect group. Oh, the whole point of this is immediately following this worship is we're having connect group leadership training. So if you've been thinking about starting a connect group, we're not just going to throw you out in the deep end of the pool and say, good, good luck. 
Good luck. Hope it works out. No, there's a leadership training. There's some, a few things that you need to understand and uh, that if you're going to lead a connect group. So that's immediately following this worship at 1230. If you know that you'd like to, you've been thinking about starting a connect group or maybe you've thought about it today, meet us at 1230. We're going to go through a, a short training. So, all right, let's, man, I got, a, I got a little bit of time. I'm getting into my message here. We're continuing this series called Overboard. It's the story of Jonah and what God did to bring him back from disobedience. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity that, that, that we have to be and set at your feet as we learn of your word. Help us to open up our minds and receive what your spirit would say to us in Christ's name. And everybody said, you know that there is a lot of people that dismiss the story of Jonah because it's, it seems too far-fetched. I mean, if you think about it, it really is. A guy getting swallowed by a great fish. It doesn't say a whale. It says a great fish. And then he, he stays there for three days until he is actually spit out next to the shore. That's, that's a little bit hard to believe. Did Jonah really exist? But you can go back in Bible history and 2 Kings 14 and 25. It mentions Jonah being alive during the king of Jeroboam. Jesus references the story of Jonah in, his, in, in Matthew 12 and 39. Well, Jonah did exist, and this story may seem a little bit far-fetched or whatever, but it, it, it is a miracle that took place. But what I want you to realize is, is how far God went to rescue Jonah from himself and how God is a God of second chances in this series and this message overboard. I want you to go to Jonah, the first chapter in the 15th verse. That's where we left off last week. We left off last week with Jonah being thrown overboard. So what happened to Jonah? You might already know this story, but let's read it. It says, the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's power, and they offered him sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Once Jonah was there, God began to do business with him, and here's the prayer of Jonah as he was in the fish. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look unto your holy temple. The waters crossed in over, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord in my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I find, it's int- I find this interesting that unlike most prophetical books, this is not so much about the message as much as it is about the messenger. Now, most prophetic books, whether it be major prophets or minor prophets in the Old Testament, those are about the message to God's people. But this specific book, this, this, this prophecy or this prophet, this, this prophet's book is about the prophet himself. 
It's about Jonah and his journey from disobedience, how God was very concerned about Jonah. He was concerned about the people of Nineveh where Jonah was sent, but also God was concerned about Jonah himself. That's what's interesting about this book. Another interesting thing about this book and this story is how far God goes to give Jonah a second chance. That God is a God of second chance. And even though we walk in disobedience, and think about the extent that he goes, like, it's kind of like, 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 like when Jonah decided to go in an opposite direction and not obey God, that God said, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to send this fish. It says that he arranged a fish. God went through a lot of trouble to bring Jonah back. He could have easily chosen another prophet. When Jonah got on that ship to Tarshish and headed in the opposite direction, when the storms broke out, God could have easily just let him go, let him die, go, let him go in his own direction, let him walk in disobedience, but he didn't. He, he, instead, he decided to bring him back. Why? Because God is a God of second chances. He used the moment and allowed Jonah to be thrown overboard. He used him to be eaten by a fish to bring him back from disobedience. And I want to tell you something. We, are, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God that reaches out to us no matter what we do, no matter what we go through, no matter if we walk in disobedience. He loves us so much that he will go to, to great, go through, uh, to, through great, exter- um, can't say the word, extreme circumstances. I'm happy for editing. He'll never make it to the internet. Extreme circumstances he'll go through to bring us back from disobedience. That's how much God loves us. To bring Jonah back and to bring us back, God sent a fish. Number one, this is what God did. God went through these circumstances, number one, to get Jonah's attention. To get Jonah's attention. I'm going to tell you something. God knows how to get our attention. When we're walking in disobedience, when we're doing what we shouldn't be doing, God knows how to get our attention. You know, as a pastor, it seems like I talk a lot about people having an eternal perspective. I talk a lot about, hey, and I try to get people's attention. Hey, you need to live for God. You need to make God a priority in your life. Hey, this life, it's over pretty soon. And it's, it's important that you, you make God a priority. It's important that you read your scripture. It's important that you pray. It's important that you attend church. It's important that you make a difference in your life. It's important that you get connected to other people. It seems like I'm, I'm constantly, you know, trying to get people headed in a direction that I feel that is best for their lives. And a lot of times, you know, people listen or people get on board with that. But sometimes, and a lot of times, people just kind of ignore that. But let me tell you something. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to get our attention. I've met people before that God had got their attention. They went through, if you will, a, a spiritual awakening. Or the way I like to say it, they got woke. You ever heard that expression? Where, where you got woke up from a situation or, or the, the reality of a situation it hits you, you got woke. All of a sudden, living for God, it wasn't a problem. God got your attention. Praying's not a hassle anymore. Reading the Bible, getting up early, fasting, prayer. Hey, attending church, serving, that's not a big issue anymore because God got my attention. I got woke. I feel that's exactly what happened to Jonah. In this prayer, as I read it, I, I see God got to him. He was disobedient. He felt like he was in control. He felt like he was heading down a path. I'll just slip on this boat. I don't care what God has to say. And then God got a hold of his life. He got woke. The 17th verse says, now the Lord had arranged a great fish 
to swallow Jonah. I like how they just threw that in the Bible. The Lord arranged the fish and it swallowed up Jonah. And he was in there for three days. And that's it. Like there was no struggle in that. Like they threw him up, they threw him over, and here came this 40-foot fish. And Jonah's like, oh, a fish. It's going to swallow me. I'll just curl up in a ball and let this happen. No. All of a sudden, his life passed in front of him. He's about to be swallowed by a huge fish. So he's swimming and he's struggling. There was probably bubbles and probably splashing. He didn't want to die. And he was probably calling out to God. And all of a sudden, there was this great big gulp and a swallow. And it stunk really bad. You know what I'm saying? God needed to get his attention. God went through extreme circumstances to reach Jonah. And it took him going all the way to thinking that he was going to die. I hope I'm never there. I hope, I'm, I, hope I never walk in disobedience. And I hope I, I don't turn away from God and do my own thing and, and go my own way to an extent that God takes me all the way to the deepest points of my life like he took Jonah. I thought about that. What would God use to bring me back? For Jonah, he used this great fish. But think about it for a second. It wasn't meant to consume him. It wasn't meant to destroy his life. If God wanted to destroy Jonah, he wouldn't have sent a great fish. He would have sent a megalodon. (laughs) Saw that movie last night. (laughs) He would have have sent a shark to chop him in half. That's not what he sent. He actually sent something that was going to consume him. Not, Not consume him, but to protect him and guard him for three days and put him in a place of quiet and solitude and God was going to do some business on him and do a work in his life. He's going to get still and quiet and I'm going to speak to Jonah for a while. I'm going to get his attention. I'm going to wake him up from this, from this disobedience. Jonah We know that he was at the lowest, deepest, darkest place in his life. Literally, he's been deeper than anybody else if he's been in a great fish down to the depths of the sea. Verse 2 says, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. Sheol, the Hebrew meaning for that word is the place of the dead. Jonah, as he said, wouldn't you think that if you were down there in the dark? I'm going to die. He began to pray. Jonah thought he was going to die. Verse 5 says, the waters closed in over me. To take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. When, I, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. I guess he did. I guess he did. I guess, you know, as he thinks he's going to die, he remembers the Lord. God loved him so much that he took him all the way there. So he would cry out to the Lord. Listen, the closer you get to death, the more you understand what it is to truly live. The closer you get to death, the more you understand what your life is truly about. Jonah needed a wake-up call to remind him what his life was all about. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get woke. Another reason that God allowed Jonah to be thrown overboard and to be swallowed by this fish, number one, he wanted to get his attention. Number two, he wanted to get his praise. Now, that doesn't seem like an important thing, but if you think about where it takes us when we don't understand the goodness of God, let's just look at it. Praising God is an act of appreciation. I mean, think about, think about what we do here. This is, we call this time, or we call the first part of our service time, we call it praise and worship. Worship is all about adoration and honor to God. Praise is all about exemplifying or expressing the goodness of God. 
That's why we sing. I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of the songs that we sing are expression towards the goodness of God. We try to reflect our, our words towards God and not so much to ourselves. We want to lift up the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, thank you, and, and we worship you today. As we, 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 I mean, we encourage that. We sing it. We lift up the name of the Lord because we want to bring up and we want God's goodness to be at the forefront of our minds. Because if we forget the goodness of God, if we're not careful, we will take the goodness of God for granted. Listen to this. What would cause a man like Jonah, who is intimate with God, a prophet of God, to blatantly do the exact opposite of what God commanded him to do. What would cause somebody to do that? I can tell you the root of that and the root of every sin is unthankfulness. Unthankfulness is the root of every sin because when you are unthankful, you forget about the goodness of God. And when you forget about the goodness of God, it distances you from God. And the next thing you do, you begin, the next thing that happens is you begin to take the goodness of God for granted. And then you forget about the goodness of God and then you think it's all on you. And then all of a sudden you're doing something like Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go somewhere. Nope, I'm going in the exact opposite direction. It causes rebellion. Rebellion is an, is an exact reaction to being ungrateful and unthankful. Think about it in the lives of your kids. Do you ever have to remind your kids that they need to be thankful? Hey, listen. I've had to talk to my kids, you know, I raised three kids. Hey, listen, don't take this for granted. I'm doing something for you. I talked to a police officer this past week, and we had this long conversation about what God was doing in his life. But my takeaway was he was talking to me about young people and some of the issues that are going on. He said, you cannot own personal property. It is the law that you cannot own personal property until you are 18 years old. Man, I wish I would have given that. I would have had that knowledge when I was raising my kids. You know, they cannot own personal property until they're 18 years old. So it's like, can I have my phone? Uh, this is not your phone. <laughs> can I go to my room? That's not your room. <laughs> Do not, did you just slam my door? <laughs> I'm going to take my door off its hinges because you abused my door. You need to clean my room, Dad. This is my no. This is my room that you're dirtying up in here. Do you know how to teach your kids? What happens is if we don't teach our kids to be thankful, they grow up and they rebel. A lot of times we think that's just the nature of a kid. But the truth is, is we teach our kids to be grateful and we teach them to be thankful by having them express their thankful to us, their thankfulness to us. It's simple. I mean, you would think it is. It doesn't always, didn't always work for me, but it's simple. If, 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 if you pay attention, when you do something for your kid, you tell them and you teach them to thank you for it. That's really what we're doing to God. When, we, we, when we're thankful for the goodness of God, we're just expressing thankfulness. But what we think as parents, we think, hey, I don't need gratitude. But what we forget is it's not about us. It's teaching our kids to be grateful and to be thankful. When I, when I drop my kid off, I, I want them, hey, thanks for giving me a ride. Hey, hey, when you do your laundry and you take it in and you do their laundry, if you do their laundry, if they're little, they can't do it, you take it in, you set it on your bed, hey, mom, thank you for doing my laundry. Hey, dad, thank you for buying my lunch. Hey, mom, thank you, thank you for making this dinner. Hey, kids, did you thank your mom for making you dinner? 
You know what you're doing? You're teaching your kids to be grateful. And they grow up knowing that. If, what, happens is, what happens is if we don't teach our kids to be thankful, they grow up and not be so thankful. Then they start taking things for granted. And that leads to rebellion. That is exactly what happened in Jonah's life. He, he refused to be thankful. And it led to him doing the exact opposite thing and rebelling against God until God says, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't get on that ship and head in the opposite direction. You think I'm going to let you get away with it? Here, fishy, fishy. God will not let you get away with unthankfulness. The closer you get to death, the more you appreciate the giver of life. That's what happened to Jonah. God took him all the way to death making him think that he was going to lose his life so he would finally cry out and worship God. It's important that we bring up the goodness of God every single day in our lives. Listen to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and 1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Jonah 2 and 9 says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. Hey, get this. Three days in the belly of a whale, in the belly of a fish, Jonah was praising God. I bet he was. You know what he was saying? Thank you, God, for my life. Hadn't eaten in three days. Thank you, God, for my life. You know, we should be getting up saying that every single day of our lives. If we're not careful, we'll forget the the very air that we breathe is on a lease plan from a holy God. And the right that we have life is because God has given it to us. And if we don't, if we walk in this life, And take that for granted, we're missing out, we're ungrateful, and we're unthankful. We'll forget the goodness of God. So when you wake up in the morning, thank God for the air. Thank God for the world, Lord, and I thank you for my life. Thank you, Lord, for my life. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I live here. Express the goodness of God. Lastly, God allowed Jonah to be thrown overboard, to be eaten by a fish, to get his attention, to get his appraise, and lastly, to get his obedience. I mean, this is where we were going. Jonah 3 and 1 says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, because the first time, we had a different Jonah. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Now, if you were to go to Jonah, the first chapter, it's the exact same message It says that the Lord spoke to Jonah to go to Nineveh and give those people a message that if they don't repent, I'm going to bring judgment upon them. Same message right here. Different reaction. Why? Because God got Jonah's attention. God got Jonah's praise. Very, very different experience. Let me ask you this. Why all the trouble? Why all the trouble with Jonah? Why didn't God just use somebody else? I'll tell you why. Because God just wasn't just about the message. He was also about the messenger. That's the, the, the beautifulness of the story, is that God did some incredible things. Yes, he was going to save a city of 120, 150,000 people. But it was also, he was also concerned about Jonah. You see, God isn't just about his purpose. He's also about the person. He's also about, the, he's also about the, the, the person that's delivering and the person that's working in the purpose. You see, as you're serving, as you're working on our dream team and kids ministry and parking lot or wherever you're serving, God isn't just about his cause. 
If we're careful, we won't, we'll think that God isn't just about, you know, the sound system and the production. He's also about the person that's doing that. God sees and he cares about people that are serving. And he's concerned about you. And, and if you stray or if you do something that you're not supposed to do, if you fall into a sin, don't be surprised if God doesn't step into your life and send something your way, a trial to bring you back, to deliver you because he cares about you. He cares about you and he loves you so much that he will go through extreme circumstances to bring you back out of disobedience, to deliver you out of sin, to capture you and bring you back to safety. Amen. I want to close with this. In Jonah, the second chapter, in the ninth verse, it says, he says, I will fulfill my vows. <laughs> At some point, he told God he would go. And then he broke those vows. At some point, he probably said, Lord, I'll live for you. I'll serve you. I'll deliver any message. I, I promise you I will do this. And then he broke those vows. And in the belly of a fish after three days, when he thought he was going to die, he finally came, finally came to a place where he said, okay, God, I'm going to do what I told you I would do. That which I promised you way back here, way back when I was, when I was excited about living for you, back when I decided that, that I was going to serve you, all those vows, everything that I told you I was going to do. Then I forgot about that because of disobedience. I forgot about that because of ungratefulness. Hey, you got my attention, God. That which I told you I was going to do, I'm going to do that now. What amazes me in this story, and I guess I keep coming back to it, is just how much trouble that God went through. Here, listen to this. The closer you get to death, the more you seek a Savior. He says, Lord, my salvation comes from you. All right, God, I'm not in so much control of my life that I thought I was. In fact, my life is in your hands. Basically, it came down to this. Surrender. Surrender. I wonder, is God speaking to you today to surrender? I wonder if you're, if you're running from God. I wonder if you're walking in disobedience. I wonder if you're living your life. And God has reached out to you several times. God has reached out to you and he's called out to you. And he's, maybe even today he's, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention that you will be grateful to him and surrender your life. Because ultimately he wants your obedience and living for him and serving him because he has something for your life. I want you to ask yourself that question as I pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and I thank you for speaking to us today. And Thank you, Lord, for caring so much, loving us so much that you don't leave us where we are, that you don't allow us just to walk off and leave and don't pursue us. Your love is truly relentless. I pray that you will speak to people today wherever we are especially those that don't know you in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed and maybe you're doing some inventory on your life right now, maybe God is speaking to you. <clears throat> Can I ask you that? Can I ask you, where are you with God today? 
How's your relationship with God? Are you walking in disobedience? Have you felt God speak to you? You feel like God is pursuing you and you continue to go your own way. And I tell you what, I believe that God will pursue us until the day we pass out of this life. I really do. That's how much he loves us. Lord, I pray for every believer today, every Christian. I pray, Lord, that that we walk in obedience because, Lord, I believe that we can live for you and serve you and make the wrong decisions that takes us down the wrong path. Like Jonah, who was always in your hands, God, walked in disobedience until you brought him back to a place where he was safe with you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for all of us. Lord, may we not walk in disobedience, but Father, I pray that we surrender, complete surrender our will to you. Whatever that looks like, I pray that you will get our attention. I pray that you will get our praise. I pray, Lord, that we will walk in obedience in the favor of our Lord and Savior in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life, maybe for you, you can say, Travis, I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. I have never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. I give you my life. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the case for you is, is you used to go to church, and maybe you even said the words, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life, but you walked away from God. Now he's not Lord and Savior of your life. You live your own life and it's absent from God or God is absent from your life. Let me tell you something. You might walk away from God, but he will never walk away from you. And maybe today you want to rededicate your life to Christ. That's okay. It's okay. Whatever the case may be, you can say, Travis, I'm not right with God. And today I want to give my life to Christ. I'll make it very easy with you. I'll make it very easy for you. I just want to pray a prayer. And as I pray this prayer, we'll all pray it together and you can give your life to Christ. I won't ask you to stand. I won't single you out. I won't ask you to walk these aisles or anything like that. I just want you to pray with us. But in order for me to pray this prayer, I'd like to know if I'm praying for somebody. I'd like to know if if people are serious. You know how we do this if you've been here before. I just want to know if people are serious about getting right with God. So between you, me, and God, you can say, Travis, today's a day. I want to give my life to Christ. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I can pray. Can anybody say that? I'll just ask one more time. If nobody's here, we'll move on. But if there's somebody here and you're thinking about it, I see your hand right here. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? See your hand right there. All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I want you to say this prayer and mean it with all your heart. Today is the day you give your life to Christ. I don't know if I saw everybody. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. And you still want to know that you belong to the Lord. Just say this prayer with us. It's not necessary that I see your hand. Just say this prayer and mean it with all your heart as we pray today. Repeat after me, all of us together. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my life. 
Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I ask you to wash me clean and whole. I confess that you are Lord and Savior of my life. From this moment on, I will live for you. And I will serve you. I believe in you, Jesus. That you died for me and rose from the dead. Now take my life and use it for your cause. I give it to you today and forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.